seated this morning. Wow, right? Can we just sit here a moment? Don't let us go anywhere until he's done with us, right? I could stay there for a while just in his presence as we worship together, as the church is singing, as our hearts and our minds are in one accord. Boy, there's power in that. When we come with such a humble heart and come with such a unity of what we did just in those last few moments, we really open the way for God to move among us. And so I pray that he does that here this morning. So great to have you. Hey, if I haven't told you recently, man, I love you guys, and you are so highly valued. Thank you for allowing Michelle and I to be your pastors. Thank you for walking uh, this journey with us over the last many, many years, specifically over these last several months. This has been quite the year, right? I was just thinking the other day, I, I was thinking back to the holidays and New Year and thinking, wow, 2020, that just sounds cool. This is going to be a great year. This week, I've been like, well, I'm ready for 2021, you know. <laughs> And then I thought, I better not say that. I'm just going to just going to slow down, and I'm going to take each day as it comes, right? Just as that old song told us, one day at a time. And so I'm going to walk with the Lord one day at a time. But so so good to see every single one of you, and thank you for being here this morning. And I'm I want to get into the Word and just really speak what I believe God has for us today. For all of you that are watching online, man, we love you guys, and we pray that uh, God's presence is rich in your home. I got to tell you, it's pretty rich right here uh, in this place, and so uh, we love every single one of you. To all of our dads, can I take a moment to say happy Father's Day? I want to recognize you uh, properly, so I know most of you guys, the men, they don't like to really stand. It's all that, it's all that humility inside of you, but... Uh, would you stand if you are a dad, all of our fathers here, and let's show them proper recognition here this morning. Amen. 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 Good number. You may be seated. I was getting into my phone because earlier today, uh, Jimmy White, many of you know him. He'll come and speak for us, you know, at least once a year. And so he is our men's discipleship director, uh, Chase and Jocelyn's uh, father. And so uh, Jocelyn's father just is just a super good friend. Every Sunday morning, I know to several of the men that he's got relationships with, he, he sends a prayer over us before we come and minister to our congregations. And uh, he said this today, and I just want to pass it along to you. He said, praying a special blessing for my friend on this Father's Day. And I'd say, I, 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 would, just, I would just say I'm going to do the same for all of my friends here this morning. Billy Graham stated, a father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, and unnoticed and yet one of the most valuable assets of our society. Fatherhood is partnering with our Heavenly Father to invest, to guide, to nurture, to guard, and bless our children and our children's children, and even touch generations yet to be born. The prayer is, may God's continued blessing and favor and wisdom and guidance be upon all of our dads here today. Amen. Uh, man, I love you, and thanks for being a part of our church family. If you would, get in your Bibles, turn with me to James, James chapter number 3. Here in a moment, I'll begin to read in verse number 13. We'll talk about it just for a few moments, and then we'll go back into the Word as we pick up into James chapter number 4. I'm going to continue the series, Coming Back Stronger. This is week number 6. I'm confident that we will conclude with week number 7 next Sunday. Week number 1. Out of adversity comes growth. 
Week number two, we dealt with the hard stuff. Week number three, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Week number four, strengthened faith is active faith. Last week, we talked about the weight of our words. And today, week number six, from where to gain wisdom. If you would, go with me, James chapter 3, verse number 13. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, do not cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above, it is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and full of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap harvest of righteousness. The church, as James reaches the halfway point of his letter, he helps us understand that living a strong Christian life or not will be decided from where we choose to gain wisdom and understanding. Now, he clearly right here outlines two types of wisdom. He talks first about that earthly wisdom, wisdom from below. He follows that up with godly wisdom, wisdom from above. Now, I know you are all highly educated and you understand the definition of wisdom, but let's look at it here together. Wisdom is taking the knowledge that you and I have gained through observing and learning and experiences, and it's been able to relate it and apply it to our everyday life. Spiritual wisdom, it is the same concept. It is being able to relate and apply God's truth to our everyday life, to our decisions, to our spoken words, to all that we do. Now, to help us understand the difference between the two, James does a beautiful job here and gives us an outline of the nature of them both. You can see it here on the PowerPoint behind me. Wisdom from above and wisdom from below. Just look at that. Wisdom from above expressed with humility and honor. Wisdom from below expressed with selfish ambition and jealousy. Wisdom from above, it walks and it speaks in truth, while wisdom from below, it boastfully walks and it speaks in deceit. Wisdom from above, it cultivates stability. And I love that because we need stability in our lives. Wisdom from below, it cultivates chaos. Wisdom from above, it produces righteousness. And look at what I placed underneath there, what the scripture tells us. Pure and pursues peace, gentle and able to reason, full of mercy and good deeds, no discrimination and sincere. While on the opposite side, wisdom from below, it produces sin and evil. So we use the words like toxic and promotes discord. It is bitter and self-centered. It is full of anger with these destructive actions. It is biased and it is hypocritical. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in today's culture, we can see both of these at work. And as much as I don't want to admit it, 
it feels like in a lot of moments, the second side of that list is what we see the most of. And I really say that with caution because I don't want to stand up here and seem to be judgmental. And I don't want to be judgmental to you and I and to what's going on around us, but we just have to call it like it is. And when the Holy Spirit is placed within our lives, it seems like it's a lot easier at times just to stay with the wisdom from below. That horizontal wisdom just from man to man. How many of you know that if we're going to rise up stronger, we've got to have this vertical wisdom which says we're going to look to Christ. We're going to go with wisdom from above because it's the wisdom from above that's going to heal our lives. It's the wisdom from above that will restore us in who we are in Christ. It is that type of wisdom that will restore your family. It's that type of wisdom will give a healthy atmosphere to your home. It's that type of wisdom that will help a community come together, even in our differences, and have this unity to be able to flow together and move as God would have us to. It's that type of wisdom, I believe, that when we look to him, that will heal our nation in a way that it can only be healed. Any other way is just putting a Band-Aid on it. And eventually, we're going to have to rip that Band-Aid off. And it's not going to do the job. If we're really going to see God move in people's lives, we've got to take our mind off of ourselves and off the wisdom of man. And we have got to put it on the wisdom of Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit working within us. James leaves no room for one to guess in where they are gaining their wisdom. The outcome or the consequences of your decisions will give substantial evidence to which one you are gaining from in your life. Now, some may step back a moment and say, all right now, Pastor, I'm not sure that's completely fair. For you see, there are certain things in my life outside of my control or sphere of influence that cultivate the negative side of wisdom from below. And there's just nothing that I can do about it. So I just have to walk in that sometimes. Okay, I will say this. I agree with the statement. There are, there are things certainly outside of your control. But there are certainly many things in your life that are well within your abilities and your decisions to cultivate the life-giving wisdom from above, right? I believe you and I, just like we talk about our actions, we talk about our words, we have to be responsible for ourselves and we have to be responsible from where we will gain our wisdom and understanding for our everyday lives. If you have the ability to walk in the blessings and the promises of God each and every day, who would not want to choose to do that? Amen? And I believe that is what James is telling us here in his scripture, that every single day we have the opportunity to choose to have wisdom from above. And when we do that, we're going to be walking where God wants us to walk. And when we're walking with God, how many of you know there's peace in that? There is life in that. There is fulfillment in that. James talked about here how you ask for things and you do not get them because you're not asking in the will of God. Your heart is in the wrong place. Can I tell you, when you're walking with God, your heart is in the right place. You'll ask for the right things and you'll see those things unfold in your life because you're right where God wants you to be. Amen. That's what I want. I want to walk with wisdom from above. His blessings and his promises, they're all gifts of his grace and his mercy, and all of his love that he demonstrates towards us daily, and our willingness to accept such a life, that is our choice. Amen? Let me keep reading here in his letter. Let's go to chapter 4, verse number 1. 
the chapters are put in place for you and I as we read, but this is one letter that just flows together. And so uh, his thought and idea continue to flow with this wisdom. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. You scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight, you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives were all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now notice what he says in verse number four. Again, I'm thankful for the anointing upon his life as he writes this. He uses strong language, strong words. That's okay. God is allowing his character to come through in this, and it's grabbing our attention. He says, you adulterers. He's writing to the believers of the church. That's who he's writing to. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit of God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. And as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. But church, he will always, always, always favor the humble. Verse 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. What is he talking about right there? Repentance. Really feeling sorry for what you've done inside that is wrong. Not just going through the motion of repentance, but feeling deep within. Okay, something's wrong. It doesn't feel right. It's kind of ugly. It really hurts inside. It's dark. I got to get it out of there. And when you're in that type of repentant mode, that's how it kind of comes out the way that James has written that. Verse number 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will always, he will always, he will lift you up in honor. Again, such strong and challenging and corrective and life-giving and strength-building words. Now, I would say this to you at this point. Please do not read this chapter with a defeated mindset. But read it with the resolve. Why do I say that? Well, I got to tell you. You know, I'm thankful that over the years, God has helped me to become a student of his word. And I got a long, long way to go. And I just want to continue to be a student of his word. Back in the day, I had one goal. That was get to one large number to the next large number. And if I could get to chapter one and then to chapter two, the next day I'd get to chapter three and I'd check it off my spiritual duty and say, well, I've done my duty for God today. I've read his word. How many of you know if you're just focused from one big number to the next, you're really going to miss what God is trying to speak to you, right? If you're not careful, you can allow that to happen. So when, when I would come across something like this where the words are just strong, I mean, they are just strong, and they just kind of hit you in the gut because you realize, oh, he's talking to me, even though he wrote this way back when. God is talking to me through this letter. We will get that, and we can read it with this defeated mindset. What I mean is like, well, James, you're right. Call me whatever because I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to be able to go anywhere past this. So you're abs I'll just read this. I'll cry some more tears because that's just where I'm at. 
don't read it in such a manner. Read it in a manner that says, okay, that didn't feel good. That was in my backyard. That, deal, that did feel like a, you know, a punch in the gut. I felt it. It was very strong. But God, thank you because I needed that. So I'm going to receive that word. I'm going to let it get inside of me. I'm going to let it stir me. It might even anger me a little bit, believe it or not. But I'm going to let it speak to me because I want to come out of this stronger. I want to rise up. I do not want to be impacted by the wisdom of the world any longer. I want to live my life by the wisdom of God. So I'm going to read it with this resolve that says, renew me. Help me be refocused. Help me have a fervor inside. Help me to be strengthened because this is the type of word that's going to make something out of me, right? This is the type of word that's going to grab a hold of my life and stir me to a place of where God wants me to be. Now I go to verse number one and I read this and I think to myself, I know this and you know this. God's word is always so timely. And you think about the moment we live in right now, and you get to a word like this, and it says, what's causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within your life? Now, I know specifically he's writing to a church, and he's painting the picture that the church is having internal issues. They're having internal issues of who they follow, internal issues of who's speaking and who has what title and, and who's going to be heard and who's not going to be heard. They're having these issues, but all of these issues are coming from the same place. They're coming from within. And I can tell you this today, all the issues that we see, a lot of those, it are, it's coming from the war that's within our lives. What is that war? It is wisdom from above versus wisdom from below. You see, in all of us, our spiritual nature as at war with our earthly nature. Now, you know this well. I could go to several places, and I won't for the sake of time this morning, but Scripture is not shy in presenting this truth. Paul speaks much of this struggle. If you go to Romans, I believe in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8, he talks about the struggle within his own life of knowing what to do, but yet he does not do it because there's a war inside of his spirit. You can go to Galatians. He also talks about this where there's a war that's taking place each and every day. It is that spiritual nature fighting against that earthly nature. And we know that that's very real. So what happens when we lean towards wisdom from below? Well, he tells us here very clearly, we are cheating on God. We're cheating on God and we are distancing ourselves from his love and from his blessings, from his peace and from his joy and from his life from his Holy Spirit, from his strength, from his renewal. That's what's happening. When we have our minds set on wisdom from below, we are adulterous. We're cheating on our relationship with God. That's why he says that. And he also goes on to say, we become friends with the world. Now, when he uses this terminology, adulterers and friendship with the world, he is strongly implying to the believers that what's happening inside your lives is you have this divided heart. You have this divided heart, this divided loyalty. You can see that picture there. And I know you might look and say, well, it looks like a broken heart. Where a divided heart is a broken heart. And you can see the two sides there. Where, where there is division, there's always going to be disorder and chaos and anger and hatred. We see that play out before us every single day. 
This is easily seen in the behavior of the world's wisdom right now with all of the different things that are going on around us. What is the focus? Division. What is the focus? This side says they're right. This side says they are right. And you see all this division. And what is it calling? Anger and frustration. It's all around us. But where there is faithfulness to God, when man says, you know what? I'm going to look to God. I'm going to look to his wisdom. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to call upon him. I'm going to humble myself before him. When there is that type of faithfulness to God, what is James telling us? There is peace in our lives. Even in the midst of chaos, how many of you know you can still walk in the peace of God? Even when things are not quite going the way that you think they ought to be going, you can walk in the peace of God. And even though you have all these groups around you, there is strife, there is struggling, there's all these things that are happening around you, you can walk in the peace of God. I think about my brother, Mark Wayne, our congressman, who's up there, and, we're, and Mark Wayne, we love you guys and Christy and your family so, so much. I pray over his mind all the time, God, let him walk in the peace of God. Let him walk in the peace of God as he draws wisdom from you. He's going to be in some heated moments. He's going to be in some moments where there's a lot going on, things that he agrees and disagrees with. But God, guard his heart, guard his mind. Let him walk in the peace that you have for him because he's drawn from you. Amen. I know my friend doesn't mind me using that example, but it's the same for every single one of us in our personal walk, in our lives, in our circle, in our sphere of influence, in our homes. If we want to have the peace of God, then we've got to look to him and draw from him. Amen. Where there's faithfulness to God, there's peace, there's life, there's blessings of his promises. We can embrace that. We can keep knowing. We can keep just with purpose in every single step. When you have that type of peace of God around you and that type of wisdom around you, even with all of the stuff that you're having to wade through, you know that there's purpose with each step because you believe that God is directing your steps. You know this today in 2020. We need to be renewed with a strengthened, a strengthened focus and a fervor and a, and a faithfulness like never before. Amen? I believe more than ever, every single one of us as believers in Christ, need to call upon God and say, God, we're going to just put ourselves before you and we want to draw from your wisdom. Now, whether you need this or not, I, I put this here in my notes and I was thinking to myself, is this a Father's Day message? And I felt the Holy Spirit just say, it doesn't matter, okay? That's a Hallmark day. That's not specifically a day that, you know, and so, but not that, you know, and I'm so thankful for Father's Day. But here it is, if you need a Father's Day message, Dads, I'm talking specifically to you, okay? If you want to give your family the best version of you, then start walking in the wisdom from above. Amen. Amen? Period. That's your Father's Day message. All right. To all of us, to the rest of us in here that are not dads, here's the message for you. If you want to be the best version of you, walk in the wisdom from above. Coming back stronger, this entire series, it requires us to do so. And it requires us not to have a divided loyalty and a divided heart. It requires us to have unity within our hearts. And unity within our heart is choosing to walk with God and not with an unbelieving world. There are multiple places in scripture where God also speaks this into our life with different authors. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love this world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So we are not to grab a hold of this world, but we're to grab a hold of God. Now, when I read scripture such as that, I, I want you to know I am grateful for the home that God has given me and for the, and the, and the beauty of his creation and the relationships and all the things we enjoy to do. I know many of my brothers and sisters of you out there, you love being outside just like me. You love to hunt. You love to fish. You love to be out there working your cattle and working your farms or just maybe working in your gardens, and you just enjoy just the presence of being outside. You love that. So we're very grateful for what is given us. So we're not saying we hate the creation of this world. We hate what God has given us, and we hate our relationships here. We hate the wisdom from below. We hate that demonic influence. We hate that demonic sphere of influence. We hate everything that's dark and toxic that's trying to destroy and rip us apart and cause strife and bitterness and anger. We hate all that. What we love is Jesus Christ. But we're not, we're not looking for to stay down here for the rest of our lives. We're going to look to go with Jesus, right? So when we talk about, you know, heaven and, and what's here on earth, sure, we're thankful for what God has given us. But our, our friendship is not with this world. Our friendship is with Jesus Christ and the life that he has for us. Now, when we talk about all this today, I want to wrap it up with this. Is this all possible? And the answer is absolutely. Let's look at God's grace at work within us. Verse number five. It says, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit of God has placed within us is filled with envy? But verse number six but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. Here is what I absolutely love about this letter that James has written. It's in your face. It hits you in the gut. It calls you out. It challenges, challenges you. It corrects you. But then it tells us there in verse 6, but God's not left you by yourself. God's not left you down for the count. He's grabbed your attention and he wants you to know because of his grace, you've got more than enough inside of you to walk in the wisdom that he wants you to walk in. He never, ever gives up on us. He's bringing the church to a place where they can be renewed and where they can be strengthened. And yes, at times it's tough to receive that word, but that's the word they needed in order to help them to have their effectiveness back, to have that faithfulness back. And God is speaking to them and he's saying to them, it is because of my grace at work within your lives through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that you can live a strong Christian life. So what does that tell me? Every single person in here and every single person online, if you choose to do so, you can walk in the wisdom that God has for you because of the grace that he has given you in your lives. Well, you say, well, pastor, I agree with that. It's good, but I'm just not sure I know how to embrace such a wonderful gift. Well, James goes on because he gives us this outline and he tells us some very important things to do. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. Just like that song, that was the perfect song to end our worship set on. And Brent and Michelle, and boy, so great to have Brent and Michelle back with us today. Amen. Worship team, beautiful job. They're coming back here in just a few seconds to, to, to bring us home today. What a perfect song. Because God, I'm getting rid of my agenda and everything inside of me that says this is how it ought to be done. And I'm saying, I just want you and everything about you. 
I want your wisdom. I want your love. I want your power. I want your grace to work in my life. So God, if there's anything prideful inside of me, and I don't believe you're a prideful people at all, but how many of you know that sometimes pride just still raises its ugly head and it gets inside of us? In today's atmosphere, in today's political atmosphere, it's real easy to allow some pride to get up there real fast and to speak before you pray over your words. It can just happen. It can happen in your home. It can happen in your relationships. It can happen so easily. So often, I think it's important to just humble ourselves before the Lord. If it's in the quietness of your home, if it's in your prayer closet, if it's here at an altar, often get before the Lord and just empty yourself. And then just, the scripture says, resist Satan. Now here's the picture I get when I read this. I know the world has really kind of taken away the impact of Satan. They've made him more of a cartoon character, and a lot of people don't even believe that demonic forces and hell is real anymore. Can I tell you, I believe in Satan, I believe in hell, and I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in a demonic power that is at work. I think that's what's happening all around us today. But I love the picture that I get when I read this time around in James. How do I resist Satan? Well, I thought about it. Now here, this is just my notebook, but I've got God's word printed in here. So acting as though this is my my Bible. When I open up that Bible, it just sends shockwaves in every direction. And what's happening is it's pushing away Satan. Every time I open up the word of truth, there's this, just this atmosphere around me that's getting larger and larger and larger. And when I, wherever I open up the word of truth, Satan has to flee from that. When we worship as we did just a few moments ago, Satan has to flee from that. When I put my mind on his word, when I put my mind in prayer, when I put my mind on things above, that's how you resist Satan. You don't necessarily have to call out and say, I'll resist you. If you want to, go for it. But I'm talking about when you put your mind on above, when you get that godly wisdom, you are just putting this garrison around you that Satan cannot penetrate. And I love this picture because as long as I'm walking with God and wisdom from above, who's behind? Who's trying to catch up? Who's trying to, who's trying to find their way in and they're, they're just kind of chaotic right now? Well, it's always going to be Satan trying to catch up because as long as I'm walking with God, I'm resisting him and I'm going in the complete opposite direction and what he wants for my life, but what I'm going where God wants, amen? So that's the picture I would give you this morning as you continue to come back stronger, especially in the culture we live today, walk with God. And as you do, man, Satan's having to go the complete opposite direction. Humble yourself. Resist Satan and his schemes and his traps. And of course, as you're doing that, you're naturally drawing near to God and he's drawing near to you. You're getting closer. You're gaining wisdom. You're gaining understanding. You're gaining endurance. You're gaining patience. You're gaining power. You're gaining the ability to walk as God wants you to walk. So humble yourself before the Lord. Resist Satan's schemes to destroy you. And allow God to get as close as he desires to get in your life. I'll leave you with these two versions of James 4.10. The first one is the Amplified Version. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. He will exalt you. He will lift you up. And he will make your lives significant. And I really love the way the message puts it. Because I can get it. I really understand what it says. Get down on your knees before the master. Because it's the only way you're going to get back up on your feet.
if I'm going to walk tall and I'm going to walk strong and I'm going to walk in wisdom, I better be able to get my face before the Lord and seek him in his ways. Amen. Man, that's always going to lead us in the right direction for our lives. So today in a world filled with hurt and anger and confusion and fear and doubt, I would ask you the question, which wisdom are you going to walk in? I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the wisdom of God. Amen. I want to walk in the wisdom of God as an individual, as a child of God. My relationship with my wife, I was talking to Michelle, I said, Michelle, we have been married 29 years. I looked in the mirror, I said, I can't be, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, Michelle certainly doesn't look that old. I mean, she, 29, 30, 31? Okay. Yeah, Lord, forgive me, I better humble myself right now, right? <laughs> but in my marriage, I just wanted to keep growing, and I want God's wisdom to be all over that, Amen. I've watched some of you in your older years of life, and I'm thinking, okay, which one's wisdom and which one's not? And so, no, I want to walk in the wisdom of God. My friends, my church, let's look to him, because he'll never let us down. He is faithful. God's never going to play games with us. He will not joke about things of this nature and this magnitude. You're not going to ask him for wisdom, and he's going to lead you astray. And he's like, oh, just kidding. I just want to see if he's really listening. He's not going to do that to you. He is always, always, always going to put you on the right path and the best path. And that's the path that I want to be on, right? And the day and hour in which we live, I need stability. I need truth. I need to feel God's presence. I need to know that what I'm doing is a reflection of Jesus Christ. So God, we seek you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my church family this morning. Those that are here in the sanctuary and every single one that is watching from their homes or wherever they may be. I thank you for a word that speaks directly to every single one of us, no matter who we are no matter our race, no matter, Father Lord, God, our upbringing, no matter, Father Lord, what it is about us that distinguishes us all from one another, you're speaking to all of us. You're speaking to the dads, the moms, the grandparents. You're speaking, God, to those single parents out there that there's always a lot working against them. You're speaking to our young adults, to our leaders, to all of us. And I thank you that your promises are widespread. You show no favoritism by title. You show no favoritism by the blood that flows through our veins. You show no favoritism of what our political preference may be. You show no favoritism to the different battles that we've had in life. But you are for us all. So just as you spoke to the first recipients 
of this letter, you are speaking to us today in a rich and powerful way that draws us to a better place. So today I pray over all of my brothers and sisters. We draw close to you. And as we do so, take us, God, to a better place of mind, to a heart that is united with Christ. Father, Lord, to a place deep within our soul that we know where our identity comes from. I pray in the name of Jesus that as you minister this morning, that you minister in the way that each individual needs it. And we will give you glory and praise because it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.